This is a really weird thing to say, but I always, when I think about that day, it was the worst day of my life, but it was also the best day of my life. Yeah. Because he's not here, but I can still smell him. I can still feel his skin against my lips. He's still yeah. our baby boy, and that, that'll never always change. Will be. Welcome along, everybody. This is the Still Parents Podcast. I'm Dan, I'm with Ryan, I'm with Matt from the Lily Mae Foundation. Thank you very much for tuning in if you're watching live on the stream or if you're listening back to this on your podcast provider whenever that is you can find us on our Instagram Still Parents Podcast our website stillparentspodcast.co.uk and yeah if you would like to get in touch with us at any point drop us a message with a question for our guest or for Ryan and Matt this evening and if you're not listening to the live one you can still drop us a message and we can get an answer to you on the on the next show plus if you'd like to come on and join us on the show for the whole thing or just a few minutes, we're looking for guests, I think, to, for 2024, because that'll be yeah. here before we know it. It's a Christmas advert to start now, aren't they? Oh, oh, holidays are coming. coming. I don't mind that one, to be fair. <laughs> I don't mind that one as well. The John Lewis one's usually quite good as well. It's good for a cry, isn't it? It is. How are we anyway, gents? I'm all right. How are you, Ryan? You okay, buddy? I'm good, thank you. I had a sports massage on uh, Friday as They're well. not fun, are they? No, not fun <laughs> at all. They're not. Um, oh, they're not. Nah, yeah. It was painful. But it was like a nice pain. I know that sounds... Yeah, I know like, what you mean. Like, you know when you got a bruise and I just yeah. want, I get a bruise, I just want to <laughs> stick my thumb in it. That's self-harm, Dan. Stick just, your thumb in a bruise. That's what my, my old man used to say to me. Spread, spread bruise around. Sorry, he's not from Yorkshire. I'm not sure I don't know. He like spread the spread the bruise around. He used to uh, say because really? he spreads the blood yeah. out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was like a nice hurt, but it was painful. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It was very. Do you very feel better now? For looser. No, I'm hurting. Okay. That's why I'm sat like this. Yeah. Okay. Pay, pay for the privilege. Yeah. <laughs> pay for the privilege. You've literally just been beaten up <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> I think Ryan feels like the odd one out in here tonight because he's the only one with hair. We've got uh, yeah, our, our guest who's actually joining us in the studio tonight. Welcome along to Gareth Wilson. Hello, Gareth. Thanks, guys. How are you, buddy? Yeah, doing well. Yeah, what well, a fine, fine, bold-headed gentleman with a cracky <laughs> little beard going on then. I know we're going to get on just fine. I might just put my cap on backwards and then I'll look like I'm bold. Yeah, there you go. It's nice to actually have a guest in the studio with us. Obviously, we can't always, always do that. And it's particularly impressive because Gareth actually lives in the Middle East. Yeah, in Dubai, yeah. 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 I can't believe you've flown over just to visit us in the studio. So I'd like to say it's just for you guys, but uh, <laughs> yeah. here visiting some family. How long have you been in the in the UAE for? Almost nine years. Wow. Nine years. I've been there for quite a while. How often do you get back to the UK? Uh, it's been a lot less over the last few years, just yeah. with kind of COVID, lockdown, everything. Yeah. Um, generally once, twice a year. And where, where are you from originally? Uh, north of Scotland, so right up in the highlands of Scotland. Oh, wow. Has your accent diluted in the nearly decade that you've had out in the, in the UAE? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, you have to kind of tailor it a yeah. little bit when you're from Scotland or nobody understands what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know the country and the city well. I got married in Abu Dhabi. I lived out there for about half the time that you've been there. So I was there from 1999 to 2003. So most of the places that you probably go to now weren't even built when, when I was out there. It's weird. Do you find the city centre changes every week, doesn't it? It's like, wait. Yeah. yeah. It's great to meet you. If you've got any questions that you'd like to ask Gareth at any point during this, because we're, we're looking at it from an angle that I don't think we've... We've spoke about yet. Now, obviously, the reason that Gareth is here, and we'll hear his story in a moment for him, and it's not your wife, it's your partner, isn't it, Suzanne? Yeah. And, and the loss of their baby boy. But dealing with the loss when you're in a country that's not where you're from, and things can be a little bit different. Ryan and Matt, if you would like to ask Gareth any questions as we go on, as we, as we always do. And Gareth, if you 
would like to take us through what happened with you and Suzanne and your boy in um, as much detail that you'd like and anything you don't want to talk about obviously you don't you don't have to and yeah we'll we'll hear your story now if you don't mind please sure of course um thanks for having me on yeah um, absolutely as a, welcome as a start um it's almost quite kind of daunting coming on because i've i've sat for seven months listening to this podcast and our apologies kind of, for that yeah. <laughs> apart from you three yeah. <laughs> it's been great <laughs> you've heard matt clear his throat about four million times yeah. and talk about his feet as well yeah oh do you want to see his toes because you probably heard us talk about his toes didn't you already. he saw them earlier oh no why do you have to show me them I'll put them on you. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Yeah, no, and it, it really has just become like an incredible kind of comfort to know yeah. I'm not the only person going through what I'm going through. And I've said this to Matt a number of times. Matt, Matt's, as well as kind of a host of this podcast, has also been my bereavement counselor throughout the last four months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you Lent, speak quite regularly. Yeah, every anyway. couple of weeks, Matt and I talk. Every two weeks, um, right. Obviously, lent very heavily on Matt over this time, which yeah. has been amazing. Um, and seeing people like you who are able to not only get kind of through it, but able to face up to this every day mm. really shows kind of light at the end of the tunnel. So it's... I it's say this to Ryan and Matt, because for me, I just go home and edit this, put it together. I've learned a better understanding for friends that have gone through this tragedy. But I'm so much admiration for the fact that every episode that we do, they're coming in yeah. to talk about the worst day of, the, of their life, and, yeah. and as, are, as are you now. So thank you so much. Um, for that so let's yeah so what I will say yours is very recent seven months seven months ago in in the UAE so over over to you Gareth sure um so starting a little bit before we kind of went on this journey it actually took us quite a while to to get pregnant we were kind of trying um it wasn't happening okay um and then I lost my job during uh, the pandemic so oh, we, we put it on hold and then I got a new job, got settled into that. We started trying again and, and eventually we fell pregnant. By that point, we were just so, so ready. That's very uncertain be, then, being in a foreign country. Did you think absolutely. you might have to move country again? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, was a, it was more than a possibility. Mm. Yeah. Um, like I said, we were just so, so ready to be parents. So when we got the news, we were so happy. It yeah. was like the, literally, I know it's kind of cliche, but the, the best day of your life. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd been at work, um, worked a full day, and literally five minutes before I was due to come home, I got roped into a, a work dinner. Um, Suzanne had the news I didn't so when I called her and said listen I'm not going to be home till late mm. um, obviously she was like oh my god now I'm going to have to sit on the sofa wait for you to get home and then and then drop the news just very weirdly I was like oh I've had a long day I want to get changed so yeah. went home came through the door and she was sat in the bedroom positive pregnancy test on, on the bed Yeah, I mean people always say you fall in love when your baby grabs your finger it's just bollocks I fell in love with that little boy that day when I seen that positive pregnancy test and every single day since mm. the nine months of, of pregnancy or the eight months of, of pregnancy that, that we had were incredible yeah like I was rushing home every day to to feel the kicks to to talk to him to sing to him it's just literally the most amazing nine months of my life our life our relationship had never been better it was just it's that moment it becomes real, isn't yeah, it? That, absolutely. Does that have interest? Did you, did, you, did you, after that, go, right, see you later, I'm still going out for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> um, but I went out with a massive smile on my face. I had a couple of drinks. I tried to kind of absorb the, yeah. the information and, and let it settle in. Because yeah. it had been so long, it had been almost a couple of years we were trying. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, really. To eventually get to that. It was just, it was, it was crazy. A lot, to, a lot to take in, but amazing. You've heard the good news. How, how was the, the pregnancy? 
Suzanne was amazing. Um, no morning sickness. She exercised until the, the very last day. Mm. She ate everything. She, she literally did everything she needed to do. She was an absolute warrior through the whole thing. Like Suzanne's pretty slender. She's five foot seven and 58 kilos. She's like a big pencil. <laughs> a big pencil? That's a great description. <laughs> I bet you don't write that in your Valentine's Day card. Yeah. <laughs> Show you my big pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So to be to be adding such a, a kind of load onto somebody of her, of yeah. her frame was. I've never heard very good good description. That's where we should go and start calling you that. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, um going to have your checkups and everything in the UAE? Yeah, different, very different country to the UK. Yeah, I mean every, everything was fine. Everything, um, yeah. Given that it's very different to here, yeah. it's full insurance-backed private healthcare, so you're in mm -hmm. there more than you're in your own house. Very true. We were getting a, a scan every 30 days maximum, sometimes even more. Yeah. Um, and then there was kind of specialist scans and specialist testing. You were never out of the place. Um, so you felt very comforted by yeah. the fact that you were always being told everything was okay. Mm. And we, we had no red flags the entire time. There was, there was absolutely nothing out of the normal. So to, to get this this absolute blow at 37 weeks, five days, was, yeah. I think the fact that it came so out of the blue was just... So this is 37 weeks um, and five days, five days, wasn't it? And um, you, you're going to the hospital for, for a routine scan, I believe. Yeah, just very, very coincidentally. Um, I'd got up early to have breakfast with a friend. Um, so I'd, I'd gone out very, very early and I was meeting Suzanne at the hospital. Um, she woke up, she'd experienced reduced movement. Um, but like I said, just coincidentally had a routine scan with our doctor as we would have been going into the hotel, uh, the hospital anyway. Okay. Um, and yeah, got there. Um, went to the waiting room, told the nursing staff immediately when we arrived the situation. We said, listen, Suzanne hasn't felt the baby move this morning. Um, he was very, very active, especially breakfast time. Right. Gave him anything, loved strawberries and anything with sugar. He was jumping up and Absolutely. down, somersaults. Yeah. Um, so very strange for him not to be moving around breakfast time. So we told the nursing staff straight away and they said, listen, don't, don't worry about everything. It'll be fine. Um, and she was put onto a CTG. Okay. Um, the scan did not show a heartbeat. Can I just ask you there, Gareth? Take your time. It's all good. Where you say you, you obviously went out, Suzanne had woke up, hadn't felt many movements and stuff. What's the care like through your... Because I'm aware you said they because it's the private insurance, you're constantly in hospital, you're constantly having scans and all this sort of stuff. Whereas over here, you would have your 12-week, your 20-week, and then you might have growth scans if there's an issue or if you go and pay for a private scan. And, and then you would see your community midwife that would be asking you these questions whenever they come in, you know, how are your movements, X, Y, Z. What's the messaging like in the UAE in comparison to what you would probably get over here? Is, is, is that... Is there a focus on, you know, pregnant women keeping an eye on their movements and, and stuff like that over there? Or was this something that you almost had to take upon yourself to realise that there weren't that... She hadn't felt the movements. So you felt obliged then to obviously have to report that yourself? Um, yeah, I, th I think, like I said, because it, because it is private healthcare, because it is kind of insurance-backed, you're in there so much that you you kind of know everything's everything's okay you know mm -hmm. that like 
trying to think what, what to say. And like, because we, we also did the antenatal classes. So you kind of, you're, you're, you're taught what to look for, what, what yeah. the red flags are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as, as soon as we'd had felt reduced movement, we, we kind of knew that that was yeah. something you need to get checked out straight yeah. away. Um, and I think they, they'd kind of said to us as well, this is when you, when your baby isn't moving, it's, it's hours, it's not days. Okay. Um, you, it's something you need to act on. Yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. Quickly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, like I said, we we were we were straight into the hospital, um, mm. onto the CTG machine, like I said, which which did not um, show the baby's heartbeat, but they they were getting something, um, which initially they thought was the baby's heartbeat. Okay. It turned out to be Suzanne's heartbeat. Um, they just thought this was the baby's, but a lot slower. Um, yeah. Uh, after that, we we were given a. Which again would have been an emergency within itself, anyway. If you'd have had a heartbeat, so the average adult heartbeat. I mean, you say obviously there, Suzanne's very, very active, very fit, and so forth. So you're probably looking at an average heart rate of about sixty beats a minute. So even if they're picking up an adult's heartbeat yeah, of that, it's, it's nowhere near the one forty, one fifty that you would expect of a baby's heartbeat at that gestation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, we went from the CTG onto a, an ultrasound scan, um, and again, like I said, very much not a doctor, but I've been looking at these ultrasound scans for seven, eight months, yeah. every mm. thirty days, mm. and every single time I'd looked at one of these scans on the screen, there was a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because of the nature of the scan itself, right? You could, any kind of tweak or twitch, you could you can very much see. Mm. Um, I was looking at the screen; I could I could I could see there was. No you, you can feel something, not yeah. How was the communication at that moment um, during this? Very limited. Um, this this was probably the hardest, yeah. the hardest part. Um, I, I was constantly asking to be updated. I was saying to them, mm-hmm. talk to me. You need to tell me what's going on. And when Suzanne and I talk about this now, she always says the the worst thing she could have comprehend, comprehended at that time was that he was going to be taken away from us for a couple of weeks and he was going to have to go to NICU because it was early, right? It was 37 mm. weeks, five days. And that, that represented the worst case scenario. Okay. Um, in my head, it was a bit different. When I'd seen the screen, um, Suzanne was on the bed. Yeah. She was being scanned. I was looking at the screen. She, could she see the... She could no. see the screen. Okay. But I, I could see the screen. Right. Um, I, I was pretty sure then I knew okay. what had happened. It was at that point, um, the room just erupted. Yeah. It went from a nurse and a doctor to about 10 people. Um, somebody had called code and Suzanne was being rushed into surgery. Uh, so I, w- I would say within three minutes, we'd wow. been taken from a, a, just a kind of checkup room that we were in into the operating theater. And uh, I was there like, you know when you feel like you're mm. in slow motion and everything Absolutely. is just racing past you? Yep. Do you have any family out there? Who could you call I've, for my... I have my best friend who I've known since I was five, six. Oh, he lives in the UAE as well? He lives there as well. Okay. So, I mean, that's about the closest thing I have to family Yeah. Um, in the UAE. Um, so, yeah. Um, and even then, I, 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 didn't, I didn't call him. We didn't reach out yeah. um, at that time. Thank, thank you for, because I know this is very recent and it's, it goes without saying, it's extremely tough for you to talk about from there from that point from there i would kind of categorize the next hour as probably the worst hour of my life um i 
stood at a small glass window. I watched the entire surgery. Um, you you just can't even kind of comprehend yeah. what that feels like. This is a girl I've spent most of my adult life with. Um, we're still relatively young, but Suzanne and I have been together for 14 years. Okay. Um, she's the entirety of my, my, my world out there, right? Mm. We've, we've traveled the world together for 14 years and I'm watching her out cold on an operating table. And you're looking through a window. Looking through a window, there's nothing I could do. Yeah. I was helpless, helpless. powerless. There, there was a, a single moment that will live with me from the rest of my life where for the life of me, I have no idea why, but the anesthetist pulled the sheet the, the op, like the operating sheet over Suzanne's face. And I mean, you just, yeah. just from years of watching yeah. TV and things, right? You Bloody associate yeah. pulling a, a sheet over someone's face with it's, it's over. So I, I for came, a second, you thought you'd also lost Suzanne. I, I thought Jesus. I'd lost Suzanne. You I mean, do. You associate that with death straight away. Because it's, yeah, it's what we've you all see, seen, isn't it? We've all seen casualty. Why we've was all that? seen it, haven't yeah. we? And it, and, it, and it does. It happens. And, and, I know we were talking prior to obviously coming on air, um, Gareth, and, and somebody's just uh, put a comment on saying that you've been really, really brave, mm, um, talk, you know, sharing your story. So thank you, Carrie, for for putting that she comment on there. So why did they? What was was there a reason? For I have those? no idea. I have no idea. I just I just can't get my weird. head around that moment. Mm. That's a moment where it, even listening to that just takes your breath. I Take can't, your breath away. R- I can't just... get my head around it because I know, it, obviously, in this country. <coughs> thanks, sorry. Matt. Sorry. I know in this country. <coughs> sorry. Sorry. As a as a partner, if if your wife or partner has to go in for a section yeah. or they're going for a, an, an operation of any sort, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to watch through a window. You wouldn't be able to. They just don't do it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I, I remember I couldn't even go in to um, when Amy was having a, a spinal tap put in an epidural. I wasn't even allowed in the room for that. So to be put in a situation by where you're watching through a window where, like you said, everything around you is moving at a million mile an hour, but you feel like you're just in this... It's a complete daze, isn't it? It is. It's a complete daze. But you're watching through a window to a different world, and as you yeah. said, you can't... You, you, you're helpless. Matt McConnell, I'm sure it was Matt from Australia a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling us his story. But there was there was no window, and he was sat. I think he said within ten meters of the room, so he could hear things, but there was no. Mm. Yeah. But the th- the point about this, the point about all this as well, is that take take away um, the 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 family side things. Like this. You're you're in a country in general with. And you've already said Suzanne is, at this point, well, she's been the most important thing to you for 14 years. Through that window, that's your world. That, that, at that right point, there. was 50% of my world. The right. other 50%, well, maybe more, <laughs> right. was on the other side and, of that wall in a different room. And that's what I mean. And when I went through to the other side and I looked through the other window, what, what I seen was my beautiful little baby boy as perfect as he was undergoing unsuccessful CPR um, which went on for about I want to say 15 minutes and I watched through that window and I've I, I haven't even told Suzanne 
in detail what I watched and I never will. I'll, I don't think I'll ever tell anybody no. out with my, my therapist that I've been working with what I seen that day. Yeah. Uh, something that I will never, ever forget. And I think it's interesting yeah. because right. Ryan said this when we had um, Tom Hender in a few weeks back. Yeah. Ryan said, this is when it gets real. And what you're saying at this point is for people who are not within this world as such, this is the reality. This whole thing is the reality of this world that you're now in, that you've been in. And this is why talking about it is so important because it's it's educating people around. Because we baby loss, baby loss, right? The subject is the subject, but until you hear people like Gareth talk about it, it's it's just a subject, but well, if yeah. but if you listen to the description he's given, the, the 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 emotion in his voice, everything, that's where you then get the get the whole subject becomes real. I'm so full of admiration for you being ready and, and willing to come on and do Absolutely. this within within seven months because this happened in February this year, 2023. And there are similarities in particular with your story, Gareth, and, and you, Matt. And I'd like to get into this because you both had to deliver the news to your other half. I, I don't know if you've ever been kind of bedside to someone who was coming around from a general anesthetic. Incredibly drowsy. Yeah. Um, very confused. And looking back on it, although I don't think I would have been expected to do any better than I did, I told her straight away. Okay, yeah. As soon as her eyes opened, it was the only thing I could get out of my mouth was we lost our baby boy. And she looked at me and she said, no. And she was just looking around. She's like, Where, where's my baby? Where's my baby? I was sitting there thinking, there's nothing I can do here. I'm yeah. just helpless. How do you deliver that news? Mm. You know, it's... Uh, and what you said earlier about um, how Suzanne was, Crystal, well, Crystal said on her episode, didn't yeah. she? She said, um, tell them to try again. Tell them to try harder and bring me my baby. And I'm, as you said, like, I'm stood there as her husband and it goes back to what Ryan's talked about so many times about we're there, we try to protect, we try to fix. And at this point, I can't do any of that. And and I haven't got an answer. Normally you've got an answer for something, right? Might not always be the right one. Yeah. But you've got an answer. And at this point, no answer. Like, I, I can't imagine being put in the position that you two were put in there, having to deliver that news to in your case your partner, in your case your wife. I can't imagine having to deliver that news the only way I could probably imagine it is that it's almost like you're carrying the heaviest weight and you've just got to let it go because it's too it's, it's overpowering it's, it's so I don't the, the way you said there like you know she was coming around she was very drowsy but for you it was just like I've got to tell her there and then and I think I would be exactly the same how did you feel knowing that you had to tell Suzanne, that one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, and what was, what was very surreal in that situation was 
she was she was out cold when they brought her through to the little kind of area where I was just sat at her bedside waiting for her to wake up. I, I don't think I took my eyes off her eyes for whatever that duration of time was. I was just literally staring at her, mm. waiting for her eyes to open because I knew what I had to do. Mm. I think I was wishing her eyes were open so that that weight was gone from mine, mm. but at the same time wishing that they stayed so you didn't have to close, break so up. I didn't have to yeah. break heart. A question's just come through from Jack. Jack's asked, were you expected to tell her or was it a decision that you made yourself? Don't remember it ever being discussed. Okay. Um, she just came out of out of surgery and then we were kind of taken to like a, a ward where we had a, a curtained off section mm. um, where it was like an observation area, I think it was called. And I, I don't remember an, an alternative being kind of offered mm. as in like, do you want us to, to tell her? Okay. Um, I, I, would, I would have never let anybody else break that news. Mm. If there wasn't an option there, it would have been... Um, you, you wanted it would have to been do me that. to do it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was that the same with you, Matt? I was asked. Um, Laura, our midwife at the time, asked, said, um, do you want me to tell her? Was, nah, it's not even a... Not even an answer, not even a question. Like I, I was never going to let anyone else tell Crystal that because she is yeah. my 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 wife and I'm her husband and I. It's my, it was my job. No, there was yeah, like Gareth, just no, no, not even a, not even a second thought, yeah. not even a second yeah. thought. Anyone else who'd like to uh, ask the guys anything, please drop us a message through the stream. And, and like, like I said at the start, if you are listening to this after the live episode and you still would like to uh, speak to, to any of the guys tonight, just drop us a message through the website, through our Instagram, and we'll be able to uh, get that answered in, in a future episode. And we'll, we'll pass it on to Gareth as well. I, I have a question yeah, as well go for, for Gareth. It. So obviously you've broken the news to Suzanne. Did Pop get brought in to you? Or did you go and see because Callie got brought it was a bit because we had a private room you see so Callie got brought into us so but, yeah that, that's really the kind of next section of this yeah. of this story um, so when we were in the that kind of ward area the observation area no we never we never got pop um, he stayed he was he was doing the OR I presume at that point we we were then transferred to a private room um, so we were taken up a couple of floors and along a corridor into this little private room it was fine um, and then we were asked if we wanted to see him, to spend some time with him. Mm. I think th this was, it was so strange looking back now because obviously, yes, of course, I wanted to spend as much time with him as we could possibly spend with him. But the first reaction wasn't straight away, yes. And I think I've heard so many people on this mm. podcast kind of talk about how difficult this is, this phase is to manage. Even before Suzanne came around, they offered me to hold him. And I said, no, I was like, I'm, I'm not ready. I'd, I'd gone into the room where they were doing CPR after they'd said it was over. I held his hand for a minute, but I didn't feel ready to hold my own baby. I think there's, yeah. there's a massive piece here where I'm not sure if it's the same in this country. I've never been through it. I've never been through it anywhere else, but just guidance around like what you should do during this time, this, this bit. We were lucky to have an amazing team of midwives that looked after us after everything we went through, who a couple of them really kind of guided us on, on some of the things that you can do, right? We had yeah. hand molds done. The midwives took some lovely photos. I went back to the house. I got some clothes. They, they dressed him. I 
know exactly what you mean. Because I didn't want to hold Lily. I was... Yeah, you said this before, haven't you? Absolutely petrified of holding her. It wasn't because of the situation that we were in. I And I've said it so many times. I was scared of breaking her. Even though technically she was already broken, if that makes sense. And um, I didn't want to hold her. I didn't want to hold because, I th- and I think it was because I wasn't ready to hold her. And because I'd always wanted a little girl as well, I couldn't cope with the fact that this was my first girl. This was my daughter, that I'd been desperate for this baby girl, that Amy and I had been desperate for this, you know, this baby and what have you. And thankfully, um, Amy's mum and my mum actually gave her to me. And Do you not think you would have done if, if they hadn't have done that? I don't think I would have, no. Yeah. I've, and actually, I'd, you know, I've got no animosity towards Amy's mum and my mum for doing that because that's that's what was the right thing to do. They, I suppose the maternal instinct kicked in at, at that point with, with both Amy's mum and, and my mum. We had a, an extremely good bereavement midwife and to be honest, she probably would have done it as well. Can you remember how you felt at the moment? Did you still <laughs> want to? Or, I'll tell you... I can can remember being sat on a chair, pretty much like I am now, and I think my arms were just like that, just just in my lap. Mm. I don't even think, I think you naturally, when you hold a baby, you tend to be quite rigid rigid rigid, because you don't don't want to drop them. I I just remember being sat as though I had the weight of the world in my arms, and it was like, this now is my life for the rest of my life. I'm yeah. going to be carrying this weight now for the rest of my life. And yeah, okay, it's going to get easier and it's going to become more bearable over time and, and you know, times change and, and, and time in itself brings new opportunity and, and, and yeah. what have you. But there's always a weight there. Yeah. And the funny thing is there's nothing there. And that's the most bizarre thing. I that's think. a weird. Fit. It is a weird. It is the weird. Thing. Yeah, I like how you describe that. Yeah, the, the weight that's there, and it's always going to be there. But it's not there. Was pop? Was, pop, it, yeah. was pop big? Was he decent yeah, size? Yeah, just under eight pounds. Yeah. So I mean, that was thirty-seven plus five. Yeah, bloody good so weight. Respect yeah. a bit of a <laughs> chunk on our hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was there. We, we talk about it all the time. His cheeks. Who did he look like? Biggest set of cheeks. Did he? Yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was beautiful. Yeah. Um, oh, he was all Suzanne. Was he? Yeah, hundred percent. Hair? Do you have any hair? <laughs> yeah, that's how you can tell. He was all <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he was another. Pe- he was another pencil as well. Then. <laughs> another pencil. Oh, yeah. A pencil with chubby cheeks and hair. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So Pop, the, we mentioned this before we went live. I think it's quite interesting for the audience to hear about this. So why? Because Pop wasn't the name. Well, in fact, you you go ahead and and, yeah, and yeah, explain I, how you came to this. Yeah, obviously not the name we were yeah. planning to use. Um, but we were using these pregnancy apps that I think a lot of people are probably using now. We had a couple of them. Which um, it, so do you want to say which of, ones? I, I can't remember. They okay. were on Suzanne's phone. Oh, um, but they kind of they compare your baby at any given period throughout the pregnancy phase to a piece of fruit or an animal. There was a couple of different ones. Uh, the one we were using was pieces of fruit. Okay. Um, or pieces of food in general. So right. when we first found out um, we were pregnant, he was the size of a poppy seed. At the time we found right. out, so it was pop, and that just that stuck, and it carried all the way through pregnancy. And I mean, for us, because we didn't have a name picked out, we had a few. Um, we hadn't kind of formally agreed on one. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, do you want to repeat that? <laughs> God, tech, I yeah. hadn't been told Tell me, which yeah. one we were having. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> shall we discuss the names or <laughs> yeah. shall I just or tell you? Shall I just tell you that I'm right and you're wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, like I said, because we hadn't picked out a name, it just yeah. it felt natural just to to stick with pop. He was always pop to us, and he always love that. So um, it's just organic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is this is a really weird thing to say, but I always, when I think about that day, it was the worst day of my life, but it was also the best day of my life. Yeah. Because he's not here, but I can still smell him. I can still feel his skin against my lips. He's still yeah. our baby boy, and that that will never change. Um, Your emotions over the the first few days. I think you stayed in the hospital. Was it for five the five yeah, days? We were in there for five days. Yeah. And and I want to talk about the emotional impact and dealing with it in a country which is not where you're from and the support and where you're at with it now yeah so yeah that those first few days if you don't mind yeah um obviously in a very very emotional time mm. um a bit, a bit of a blur not a lot of sleep um one way i kind of reacted to this was just by stopping eating and drinking and it that was, was your reaction. That yeah. was my immediate kind of response. I'm not sure why. Um, I just couldn't stomach food. I could barely stomach water. I eventually got to the point where I could manage a coffee. Mm. And that was about it. I think I dropped about eight kilos in two weeks. Wow. I saying, like I got, I got to the point. That's a where, lot in two weeks. That's like, a lot. Just incredible dehydration. Um, yeah. Lack of, lack of nutrition. And, um, and mentally, like that's going to have an, yeah, a cognitive yeah. effect. Absolutely. That, that's interesting as well because a lot of people go the other way, don't they? True. A lot of people eat and drink. Yeah, to, I, yeah. I got to the point and like, I I could barely get off the couch without almost passing out. Like it got to the point where everyone was just saying to me, "You have to stop this. Mm. You're gonna make yourself ill." But you are making yourself Did ill. You, like, I guess I, you didn't you didn't care at that moment. Just didn't give a shit. How was Suzanne with that? It, I was like retrospectively, I was probably adding stress that I probably didn't need to add to her. To where she was, but it was my way of my way of dealing with it. Yeah. Um, well, the one the one thing you've got there is control over what you're doing. Yeah, you didn't have control over what was happening in that hospital. You didn't have control over the situation that you were being put through and the nightmare that you were being put through. Whereas that you did have control, so you were able to say, "No, I'm not going to eat, or I'm not going to drink. I'm controlling this." Whereas I didn't have that before, yeah. and. That's where, like Matt has said as well, some people do it in the opposite way around where they'll they'll drink and they'll drink alcohol because it blurs the memory and, and what have you. Whereas you've obviously chose the complete opposite way of doing that. Yeah. You know, yeah. we had Ian Lawton on uh, right back at the very beginning who just ate yeah. and he was eating and eating and eating. And he, he, he nearly, he, well, he, he was eating himself to he death, said it himself. He? I'll put the link to all the episodes we've mentioned on this one tonight, by the way, in the description. It says Tom Hender, yeah. um, Crystal Whitehouse, and yeah, the Ian Lawton one. Yeah. Which, eating yeah. himself to death. And, and that, and again, yeah. shows the... He didn't want to leave his room, did he? He was, no, a, that's he, right, he was yeah. on the internet all day. It, the, he, again, it's the, what, the point you made, Ryan, is brilliant, because it is that I can control this. Yep. And we've had all sorts of different, we've referred to it as distractions, I guess, or, but it's those behavioral mm. traits that manifest unintentionally 
going yeah, back to Suzanne, it's yeah. you, you, but you you were just in you're in you just need to do what you needed yeah, to do yeah. subconsciously. I it's guess. just interesting to hear it the other way. I must admit, like, yeah, you know, but I completely understand it. But it's just yeah. And we had um, I think it was Nick, one of our first ever guests. He just threw himself into work. I don't even think he acknowledged the loss. Like he didn't want to believe it. It was for months, wasn't he? And do you think it was a form of yeah. like self harm as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I was punishing myself. I know. Mm. I know. I was punishing myself. I mean, I, I hear a lot of people talk about this this protector role and this doer, mm. people that just want to fix things. Mm. And that was, again, sounds quite cliche because a lot of people say the same thing, but that was something I threw myself straight into on day two. We were still in the hospital and I was trying to wrap my head around some very complex yeah. local kind of regulatory funeral um, arrangements. You, you touched upon <laughs> kind of being in the UAE, right? And it's a, it's a fantastic place. And I, we feel very, very privileged to, to get to live there yeah. for a great life. But yeah, I know it's, there are complexities around that. It can take, it's, it's beautiful. It's an amazing place. And I, but it can, it can take a long time to get yeah. things done yeah. at, at some point. Like, like anywhere can, you know, it's still a relatively new country. Don't yeah, forget. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, and, and that, that's a mad thought because you're, you're doing that and I guess you, your brain, you're throwing yourself into, you're doing something. But then, yeah, I mean, why would you even know the first step in sorting a process like this? And not only that, you're yeah. doing it miles away. We were, we were very, very lucky with, uh, with the kind of the head midwife that was kind of personally taking yeah. care of us. She was amazing. Good. Um, and luckily, she kind of knew the first kind of kickoff points of the process. And right. so she put us in contact with somebody who who kind of guided us all through it, but it was just so tough because it's not it's not really geared up for for kids funerals, kids mm. services, and we were we really weren't on board with the options that we were kind of presented with. Um, you can you can bury or you can cremate, right? It's as simple as that. But neither of them are particularly kind of yeah. nice yeah. scenarios, nice settings to be in, and we yeah. wanted to give our little boy the, the goodbye that we felt like he deserved. Um, we were so, so fortunate. Um, it, the, the, the plan was to do this in the crematorium, which wasn't a, a, a nice place. Um, yeah. It's more kind of industrial looking place than it is a, what you would yeah. look at as a more traditional crematorium. Um, and the celebrant who we'd engaged to, to do the service stepped in right at the last minute and she, uh, she said, you can do it in my garden. Oh, wow. So she had this beautiful house, big kind of green garden, what trees, flowers. Um, yeah. So yeah, they, they set it all up for us. They, they put chairs and flowers and everything out. And we had the, what I, what I would nice. say is the most perfect way you could possibly say goodbye to your little boy. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, that is. Can I just ask, were, uh, were all the midwives, um, do you call them, are they known as em Emiratis? No, they were all Brits. They were all Brits. Right, okay. The six, the six midwives that looked after us were all ex-NHS okay. British midwives. Right, okay. And they were incredible. Okay. Absolutely incredible. We never got, we never would have got through those five days yeah. without, without those six girls. Do you think that... I don't think there's any way of sugarcoating this as well. Do you think that was almost like a blessing in disguise to some extent that you'd got ex... Not ex-Brit... That you got British midwives because of the potential of them going through this back over here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing I would say is, although I don't think the standards of care differ 
between regions or between countries, I think there are quite substantial cultural differences yeah. between the Spot way on. people deal with loss, mm. between the way they deliver way things communicate, yeah. communication, etc. Um, I don't even think it was a blessing in disguise. It was a massive blessing. Okay. Yeah. Suzanne and I kind of, we do gravitate to people from similar backgrounds as us, mm. similar cultures. And in the, the lowest, darkest periods of our life, we were able to relate to these people. How long were you off work? How was the work situation um, and dealing with this? Because it's, again, different country. You got your work visas, you got your sponsorships, etc. Yeah, um, my work were amazing. Yeah. Um, there was no... Did, we, did you tell us, what do you do for a living? Can you say? or do you so, Yeah, of course, yeah. My, my background's construction. Um, I've always worked in construction. Um, I studied construction at university and then... Worked Matt's at- just asked me, did you build the Burj Al Arab? <laughs> he did out of Lego... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not You're quite. such a knob. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> then a, a couple of years ago, like I said, I lost my job during COVID, mm. um, and then just by chance, um, got the opportunity to talk to a, a startup company that are in the high tech agriculture space. Okay. And so I joined as uh, a member of their construction team. Um, been working with them for two and a half years now, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Small, smaller scale kind of company. Um, 30 people in the office, couple hundred people in the whole company. So yeah. just a, a good kind of working culture. And they were just amazing Brilliant. Um, from day one. Excellent. Like I, I sent a message to my to my direct kind of manager and I said to him what had happened and that, that was it. There was no time. So there was compassionate and, leave and... Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't even kind of you have four weeks of compassionate leave. It was let us know when you feel like you're ready to come back. And how long was that? For me, four weeks, just over four weeks. So, so I did long, yeah. four weeks off, um, and then I did a couple of weeks of, I would say, more kind of transitional weeks, okay. um, where I spent a few days in the office, yeah. um, kind of dipped in and out, did the things I wanted to do. Um, and then over that two weeks, I started to kind of pick things up and mm. get, get back into it a little bit more. And then, and then after that, yeah, pretty much back to it. As, as your attitude towards job and work, careers changed with after your loss of pop yeah yeah i would say definitely so yeah um i've always i've always been quite a fiery character um someone who gets frustrated fairly easily um, i have to say this is the most eye contact i've had in years this <laughs> <laughs> like, is amazing like yeah yeah dan shitting himself <laughs> <laughs> just a very kind of noticeable shift in my mentality work's always been something which has meant so much to me okay. my career has always been at the kind of forefront of everything I've, I've done and I take a lot of pride in what I do but losing the thing you love more than anything mm. just shows you that there's a lot more to life than, than work yeah. um, and I think although I'm what I would consider to be kind of back up to pace now oh, yeah. I definitely don't kind of think of work in the same way that I used to yeah. it's, it is not what my life revolves around anymore. Your relationship with Suzanne, how, how are you guys at the minute? And have you been able to, I'm using quotations here, enjoy any part of life in the last seven months or recently? Or is that something that's still on the road ahead? It's, it's, it's been a roller coaster, it mm. really has. And I think there was a very long period of time, I think, where Suzanne... I think she struggled to get kind of back to normal life a lot more than me. Um, so kind of 
I think she kind of sidelined a lot of a lot of friends, a lot of family. Um, she found it very difficult to kind of integrate herself back into the emotional energy to have that conversation again and yeah. again and yeah. yeah. Whereas because I was back at work, dealing with people every day was okay, yeah. was different, yeah. right? It's, mm. I, I kind of had that human interaction all yeah. the time. Um, Suzanne lent on me a lot for for that. Um, but then, going to be five weeks ago, we had another major loss in the family. Oh, um, on Suzanne's side, um, which Sorry came completely that. out of the blue. Um, yeah, which... It's like when kick when you down, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. But we um, we came back to the UK for, for the funeral and we spent a little bit of time here. We were, we were in Edinburgh, uh, where Suzanne's from. Okay. And because I think one, one of the, the downsides of living in a part of the world where it's 45 degrees for a, a large <laughs> portion of the year is especially when you're suffering mentally, like not yeah. being able to go outside, not being able to kind of breathe fresh air. Not oh, the summer's a nut show around yeah. you. Like we, um, and there you are not drinking any water either. In full, you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was like, we spent a bit of time just in rural Scotland when we were back mm. last month and it was, we kind of, we were using this term forest therapy. Forest therapy? Being just in nature. Okay. It felt like a, drug almost it was like you, <laughs> did you pick any mushrooms positive. when you're in this forest yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah did that help did, did you find it you, massively yeah yeah just the, the difference of just can you outside. can you pinpoint what that because it's what about it or uh, uh, is it tangible to say how it helps in, in a particular way is it just an overall feeling yeah i think it was just like I don't know how to how to describe yeah. it, but like just the headspace you find yourself in is a lot more kind of free, a lot more positive. Yeah. When you're actually outside in nature, you're yeah. you see green, you're breathing fresh air. You're getting sand in your eyes. It's very different to yeah. hiking around a shopping mall to get your to get your steps in. <laughs> and, to, very true. and to get the cold air as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is very true. And it's something that, that to yeah, be honest, it's something that um I Especially, and I don't know what you say, right? But with my clients, I, I try and encourage them to, just just try and get a, like a walk or something, change that scenery. Like yeah. it's, you know, because it, yeah. because you you really can go into your shell. You can just sit and look at the four walls, and that becomes four walls. You know, and that's when what I you know in the early days I was I I had to because we've talked about this again on Crystal's episode, but. I got Crystal out and we walked. We 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 actually went. We went. Is, to, it, is this the story you've mentioned? Have you heard this? No, 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 no. I, I won't go back into that one. No. But uh, you can listen to Crystal's episode for that one. Um, but but we went to Swampool um, yesterday. Had a walk around. It's a local um, nature area by us. And Crystal um, said we used to spend hours up here, and it's almost like it came back a little bit to her and like. That was that we'd go to that place. Oh wow! And Cali's only five minutes from mm. there now, so it's kind of a okay, you know. But we did. We just we just walked, and and so I can relate to what you're saying. It's yeah. just we've said it so many times, haven't we? Just the mental health aspect from change of scenery, environment, exercise, nutrition. I also want to bring your baby, but it's, you need to give yourself the best tools to to manage. I also think sometimes, and especially what happened with me and Crystal was. We had quite open and honest conversations. Mm. Some like when you're just walking, you're not looking at each other. So there's, it's almost like there's no pressure. I totally. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you know, it, 
Having those conversations out of the house, I think. Yeah, don't yeah. yeah. Well, they they it, just work different, don't they? You're in neutral territory. <laughs> Is that what you <laughs> No, but I mean, no, I, I don't mean it like that, but <laughs> right, you I mean, are, you're, <laughs> you're in a neutral area yeah, no. where you're, you're removed from the... The connection. It's a different energy. A, yeah, a connection of where, mm. of, of obviously where you live, and 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I think, I mean, like Matt said, there, I try and encourage all of my clients to, or the, you know, to to do as much exercise as possible and and what have you, because it's important. It yeah, it's important. It brings a balance. Absolutely, it brings a balance massively. Well, thank you, Gareth, so much for joining us tonight. Before I want to talk briefly before we go unless there's anything else you guys want to mention or anything Gareth that yourself you would like to speak about but the levels of support I think we've touched on it but living in a, in a different country and as we said before and now we, and this applies to any podcast just the availability and with technology to do something that couldn't have been done a few years ago so that'll only improve but still actually within the country physically yeah. what sort of support networks are there are there any other bereaved dads any networks or a- anything that you've been able to um, use to help yeah, I, that's where I struggle because it was the baby loss specific support that wasn't kind of available. Um, like I said, we have an amazing therapist. We met with a couple of therapists before we were found one that we were comfortable with, we liked, um, and she's yeah. been incredible. Suzanne and I both see the same the same uh, therapist. Okay. Um, but the the kind of bereavement support specific, like like exactly what what you guys do, um, was what was missing for me which is why I was so grateful when I kind of reached out that I was able to get that remotely. Because mm. um, again, I think you guys are starting to cover kind of more and more ground as you as you gain traction, but reading yeah. the website and things, it was like, okay, they're quite a kind of localized charity to one area in England, so I'm sure they're probably busy enough with the people in the area. So I had kind of relatively low expectations that someone was going to be able to take on an international client. Yeah. Um, which was why it was so amazing that in such a short space of time, I think from sending the first email to actually having my first session with Matt was only a couple of weeks. Um, and Boom. then from there on, you guys have been able to accommodate a kind of yeah. weekly or bi-weekly session for, for months on end. And I think what's important yeah, though there as well is that, because I, I remember um, when your email first came through and the fact that you have spent time in the Midlands area anyway and, and what have you. So for us, it was very much a, you know, yeah, okay, you're living abroad, but you've got a connection to the area. So it was like, well, there we go. We've, you know, we're still doing what we should do. But I, I completely agree with you with the the baby loss specific support mm. because I, I was exactly the same. I went to counselling. I had bereavement counselling. My counsellor was brilliant. Great lady, but had absolutely no clue yeah, and no idea yeah. where where I was coming from because she hadn't experienced it herself. She was just very, very good at being that ear that I could just talk to and and you know and get and get my grievance and uh, grievance get my grief, sorry, off my chest and and for and for somebody to, to literally take that and then just yeah. dissipate it somewhere. But I think the difference between speaking to somebody who has lost a baby in comparison to speaking to somebody that's had a, gen- a generic bereavement, this is a, a totally unique grief. Whilst the similarity to an extent on how you grieve when you lose a parent, a grandparent, a friend, whatever that may be, the one thing you have there is you have a time frame where you've been able to build memories with that person. 
So you're always going to have something that you can fall back on that you can remember. This, you've flipped it on its head and you are literally grieving a lifetime of missed opportunity and missed memories. And unless you've been through that, you have absolutely no idea how much that eats away at you because you don't have the opportunities of the first steps, first words, first day at nursery, first day at school, first day... You don't. You just. That's well, what you, you don't went, get. You went as far as saying possibly walking Lily down the aisle. Yeah, that was my that, thing. You know yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, it, you yeah. you don't get those opportunities, and that that's the that's the, the reality it, of the it. reality of it, and the different the big difference. Sorry, between a bereavement that we all experience because we. Well, you've There's said one it before, certainty in life, isn't there? Yeah. There's yeah. one certainty in life, and that is death. Everyone's yeah. got a story. You've said it somewhere expected yeah. to parents, yeah. uh, you know, elderly, um, obviously not nice, no. but not your newborn. No. Because that's not, yeah, it's, there's been no, well, it shouldn't exactly happen. As you've it said just shouldn't before. happen. It shouldn't yeah. happen. I, I, I must have missed this early, because so I know North of Scotland, wasn't it? But what was your connection with the Midlands then? Not necessarily the Midlands, but um, my dad lives kind of between Manchester and Liverpool. My brother in law's in Bath. So I do, like, when we're home, oh, okay. we kind of split our time between Scotland and England. Where are you staying tonight? I'm back in Bath. They're going to Bath. Oh, wow. Place, yeah. That's some commitment, isn't it? There you go. And it takes around 30 seconds to get home. He's just. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas me and Dan get stuck on the M6 oh, on his one lane. Some weeks it can I, be. I, I'm in front of Dan. I phoned Dan. Get up, don't come this way. I've got to come this way. It's the only other. <laughs> he tried to. I didn't tell you this. Matt, oh, yeah. Do you remember you that one? He tried to stitch me up on <laughs> no, purpose. No, no, after no, the no, last, no. Was that, it was after Kelly's no, episode, yeah, wasn't it? No, so put, firm me up. Spaghetti Junction, if you know uh, Birmingham, uh, which looks like Matt's toes. <laughs> <laughs> And that's so, been nice. Just, just before I was, Matt was ahead of me and he phoned me. I said, oh, it's Matt. He goes, Dan, there's been a, an accident. So um, the, the Matrix signs all said, so I'm coming off at Junction 5. I got off at 5, yeah. Yeah, and I'm going, hmm. So I carried on straight and there was nothing. It was fine. <laughs> but before I've gone, <laughs> and I've, I've hit 5 and then I'm stuck because you go around the corner at 5 and you can't see around, because as Ryan said, it's around the corner, so you can't see around yeah, the so corner. Yeah, corner absolutely. So you then get onto the bit of towards 6 and you're stuck. Yeah. So I got off at 5, but okay, you won that one. Well done. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bit tip for time. So you were actually home, I think, before me. I was trying to get through Erdington. Which First, is... Yeah, I know. Then I get home and listen to your voice again for another three hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's then when he sends his voice notes at midnight oh, yeah, knowing yeah, full yeah, well yeah. I have to be up at half five the next morning because yeah. I've got a gym I, class to leave I'm amazed yeah. you've not sent me one back at half five don't forget I spent a, no, 11 years getting up at 4.30 in the morning I'm a, oh you mean send you one at, yeah. oh, I'm doing that in the morning can you do me a favour <laughs> at some point so Gareth and some of the other dads understand can you drop one on the dads group sorry I'm just Bad putting midnight. Ryan on hang on I'm just putting Ryan on mute on WhatsApp <laughs> can you drop, drop one on the dads one at about midnight so that people know on the dads group what we go through Hell no. <laughs> um, Gareth, is there anything that you would like to ask these gentlemen or anything that you would like to speak on that hasn't been covered or anything? No, I don't think so. I think, Matt, you and I have talked this to death. <laughs> we really have, haven't we? Yeah. And um, I've got so much respect for you coming on. Thank you so much. Yeah. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely amazing, I think. No, that, yeah. really good. Like, yeah. A lot of dignity, mate. Yeah. Lastly, I, um, how's the future look? Have you had the conversation about trying again, or we have? Yeah, it's it's something that's on our mind all the time. Yeah. Obviously, um, yeah. when when the decision's kind of taken away from you and you're mm. you're put through a surgery um, that wasn't necessarily required. Obviously, there's increased timelines uh, to to try again that 
yeah. aren't necessarily there if you, you go through a natural. Um, so, yeah, we're, okay. we're kind of working through that timeline at the moment. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And we wish you lots of love to you and Suzanne and, uh, and, and the rest of your family. And please keep in touch. We'd, we'd love for you to uh, join us again. I'd love to. We've got another country on our go-to list for our Women Do Podcast. If there's any uh, benefactors out there that would like to uh, bankroll our trip around the world. I'm still owed. (laughs) (laughs) A company I work for in in Dubai still owes me six months' wages. Really? Yeah, never got it. Let's go. Let's go back to it. No, they don't exist anymore. It was the first radio station I worked for. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. Bold FM. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, 19... I still was, yeah. I've reached that point in my life where I've been bold for more years than I had hair. Oh, wow. Yeah, but yeah. then I did actually see a picture of you not that long ago with hair. Yeah, it's not good, is it? Not good look. That's Just not different. It's not you. Nah, different. It's not you. That wasn't you. And you were a bit porky as well at that point as well, weren't you? Yeah, I know, but it was, that was when I was living in Dubai. Them swarmers, they're good, aren't they? And, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, try, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's like Homer Simpson with his beer. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah you know me well. Um, yeah. We, um... Yeah, thank you, thank you so much, Gareth. Anyway, you've been you've been absolutely brilliant. Safe flight back. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. One thing I would like to add um, is we are currently looking for guests for 2024. I know we said at the beginning of the uh, podcast that we're looking for guests for 2024. Um, I'd be really interested in having um, same sex couples. We've not we've not um, covered this. If there are yet. any same sex couples yeah. who have sadly lost. Um, a baby, I would love to yeah. um, be able to to get same sex couple on, as well as yeah. um, maybe a grandmother. Yeah, as well because one. we haven't had any grandmothers before. We've had, we've had a granddad, oh, yeah. but a grandmother would be nice. So it, you know, like we said, if if you want to appear on the podcast, then please get in contact with us through Instagram on Lily May. No. No, no, no. Instagram, still parents podcast. <laughs> still parents podcast.co.uk. Still parents podcast on Instagram. <laughs> and yeah, that would, um, uh, we, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much, everyone. This has been episode 64 with Gareth Wilson of the Still Parents podcast. And if you've not yet had an opportunity, just to leave us a quick review, a couple of stars, if you don't mind, because it helps the podcast get discovered. Thank you for doing that recently. I know lots of people have been doing that, which I think. Because we well, Ryan got all excited a couple of days ago and sent us a screenshot because it was a featured podcast. What, what featured Amazon? podcast on Amazon? On Amazon. That was amazing. Yeah. So so thank you that and it just helps to get this and other similar podcasts discovered, which is which is what we need. Correct. So, thank you very much. Right, we are gone. We'll be back very soon with our next episode. Take care, everybody. Adios. Cheers, guys. Mm-hmm.